Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise, its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Hmm, Ben's room. Da, da, da. Welcome to the Movie Vault. I'm Zach. I'm Ben. And I'm Jonathan. Yes, a recurring character in our, uh, in our uh, filmography. Uh, this is the third film that you've been on, correct? Yeah. What were the previous two? I did, did uh, Soul and Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Okay, so you're a yearly uh, yearly guest. Today we're going to review Star Trek II, Wrath of Khan. You may be wondering, why go to two? Why go to two right away? And Jonathan, why did you go to two right away? <laughs> well, I was kind of interested in seeing what Star Trek was like, and I heard two was one of the best ones, okay. and that one maybe was kind of boring. So okay. <laughs> I chose two. Yeah. And I was a little confused too, and then I did a little bit of background research, and I think that it made sense. Because uh, Star Trek as a show is very episodic, so there's there's not necessarily continuity. And I think to some degree, at least between the first two movies, it's the same. Like, there's a little bit of continuity, but they kind of are separate of each other, even though they marketed that as Star Trek 2. Yeah, and part of that has to do with the lack of critical success in Star Trek The Motion Picture just uh, years previous to this. But they do continue this into a third film, so uh, the, the Search for Spock is the one that yeah. this leads right into. So these are these are, this is a big trilogy in the Star Trek franchise, and a lot of people attribute this film, Star Trek II, to actually revamp the franchise to make people get more interested. Uh, kind of like uh, uh, an Empire Strikes Back to uh, Star Wars. Hmm. Yeah. But what were we thinking when we went, went in straight for the sequel instead of watching the actual original film? I don't know, but... Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Have we ever done that in the history of the movie Vault, gone straight for a sequel? Um, I mean, like, without watching the previous one or reviewing yeah. the previous without, one? Without, I guess either way. I was thinking Wakanda Forever. Yeah. That's a sequel. But we've seen the previous one. Right. Wait, did we review that? Same thing with the, event, with yeah, the we Avengers did. movies. We did? Yeah. Why did I forget that? You're right, we did. Yeah. We did review it. Yeah, so, I mean, that that's an example. But we had seen the original one. Yes. and it made more. It made sense because it was it had come out in theaters at that point. So yeah, yeah. But this this was this was actually like a big tentpole project in Star Trek, correct? I mean, am I wrong? Yeah. No. Yeah. So basically, you have. I mean, it's it's already taken place after the show, the first show. Yeah. Okay. So what what does the timeline look like? In this, uh, in this whole I'm not entirely sh- certain, but I'm, there's a time has passed since the show. Um, I think in the one, I think the one thing that might have happened in the previous movie was that Kirk was promoted to admiral because previously in the show he was the captain. Okay. Um, I don't. I'm not entirely familiar with what the time jump was. Okay. Okay. But, but the crew is getting o- the crew from the original show is getting older, and that's kind of one of the themes of this movie. Okay. And and Khan is th- there's an episode in the show that Khan is involved in that directly relates to his backstory and it's referenced in the movie, correct? Yeah, so this movie's sort of also a sequel to the episode The Space Seed. In the episode The Space Seed, uh, Captain Kirk finds a ship that's from the 1990s that's full of hibernating humans who were apparently sent on a really long interstellar mission before they had fast space travel. And... They come to discover, they awaken the captain of that ship and take him to the Enterprise and they're trying to figure out who he is and they come to discover 
he's one of the he was one of the leaders in the I think it was called the eugenics war in the 90s which was there's a group of genetically modified humans superhumans who had take taken over parts of the world and he was one of the most important ones but then they were defeated and it seems like they were sent into space to form a new planet but that wasn't in the record books oh okay so that kind of sets up to where kirk kind of stranded them and he he never actually checked up on them after leaving them on yeah, the planet. Yeah, because Khan then takes awakes his fellow crewmates and they try and take over the ship and are almost successful. Okay, but they're thwarted and then Kirk decides the solution is to give up them planet of their own. Gotcha. And then how much time are we supposed to assume has elapsed since Kirk had left them? Because it had been a while. He was still he was no he's not an admiral, so it was before the motion picture. Yeah. It honestly might be the amount, the amount of time between the actual release of that episode and like 1982, because he would have aged that much in like actual time. So, okay, uh, I'm kind of wondering whether that'd be like, yeah, 15 to 20 years, I think. Yeah. So the next generation, yeah. or not the next generation, the, the the original series was 66 to 69. So it would it would be you know it was the first season. So it'd be first season. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It would be like close to 20, getting up there 20. So yeah, 16. But yeah, so that's so that's kind of the background. You kind of have to have that background going into this. So it really is like, you know, we think of Marvel. Marvel really isn't a, a breakthrough uh, enterprise when it comes to no, you know, pun <laughs> enterprise when it comes to uh, integrating shows and movies, right? Yeah. So this sprouted with a show, though. That's the only difference. That's the difference between mm-hmm. this and Star Wars and every other big enterprise. Another, yeah. But so, how do you think that affected its translation into film? Because they started with shows and then they make so that was interesting because yeah because the the production value was definitely a lot higher in the film than in the that's wow mo- than in the tv show <laughs> so okay. you can imagine the production so, value of the tv show yeah which some of the scenes which i guess i was watching a remastered one so i don't know exactly what they changed like some of the spaceship scenes looked good in the tv show but they looked like really good in the movie hmm. I think that's a fair point. I usually cut slack for the year it was released with that kind of stuff. Yeah. They are also using some CGI uh, compliments of George Lucas's Industrial Light and Magic, right? Yeah. I actually remember at one point I read a story about the uh, book about the... It was about Pixar, but also just the history of early computer animation. I remember them referencing this movie, particularly the one scene where they show the simulation of what would happen with the Genesis device. Mm-hmm. That oh, was the first film to have a completely digitally animated scene, and that was the scene. Huh. Ever. Well, if you think about it, wasn't didn't Tron come out the same year? I think 1982? I don't know. So, That's hard to imagine, because this seemed a lot higher quality. But Tron might have tried to do more with with the CGI, which might have been to its detriment yeah, in some I'm, ways. I'm guessing a lot of the effects in this movie were probably models. Yeah, like the ships and stuff. The only thing that would have been CGI would have been like shooting in that one scene and some of the other. Maybe, yeah, at least that one scene. I don't know if any of those. Have... Yeah. So I'm thinking of IP, creative uh, creativity. So Star Trek, whatever the company, this was uh, Paramount, right? So Paramount releases this film. Do they ha- Are they basing it off of something? They're basing it off a storyline from the show. Is the show related to like a book or any previous iteration? Um, no, uh the creator of the show, Gene Roddenberry, he did, it was this, it was there was like some other pieces of literature. It was based on like Gulliver's Travels, hmm. 
and, and it's sort of meant to be a Western in space, but it was kind of an original idea. Okay. Yeah. And the interesting thing about this movie is that Roddenberry was actually sidelined because the first one didn't go well. So critically, it didn't go well, and they also spent a lot of money on the first one. The, bu- the budget for the first movie was $44 million. This The budget for this movie was twelve. So they brought on the guy, uh, I believe his name, who's the producer for this? Robert Salen, but I feel like I heard people talk about Harvey Bennett as the guy who like figured out how to make it for cheap. And then Nicholas Meyer. Uh, Nicholas Meyer, the director, was also, he said, I can come in and do this for cheap. That was essentially his pitch yeah. for why he's involved. And I think it was Meyer who I watched a video and they said that he really didn't have that much knowledge of Star Trek and he took the scripts that people had written and he like doctored all of them together. So he's not given any screenplay credit, but he actually like fixed a lot of the script and ended up being like a, a script doctor doctor for the rest of his career. So that's kind of interesting. Sure, I think that makes sense. As a non non structured viewer, I could understand everything that happened. I feel like that might be part of it, um, just making it more generalizable. It is interesting though. So a lot of the bad reception for this film was because of its visual effects. And that that is were visual effects at the time. I'm thinking of 2009 or 2001: A Space Odyssey. Like that's much visual effects way out the roof. But for a 12 million dollar movie, this made like over 90, right? I mean, this made a lot of money. But yes, it's, that they it they credit it for like revamping this franchise. So I'm thinking like after this, are the movies are they like bumping in the theaters like really well? Are they big, or do we not know? I I I actually don't know. I don't know either. I think yeah. of this one as being the be- as the one people still talk about to this day. I mean, this is in that week, the Starboy song, right? Wrath of Khan. Oh, I think a, it is. It's a lyric. Yeah. But, yeah, so there were two shows before this, and then they did the trilogy. Um, and so I'm thinking, like, I have to go back to what you were saying about it sprouting from a TV show. So it, was, it came up, it came about from literature that this guy made. Uh, well, I guess, I guess not... I guess that was some of its inspirations were like other like other shows. Okay. Or Golfers Travels the Book. Yeah. But like not exactly it's just his idea, I guess. Hmm. But creatively they get to take anything and just go with it for this film, right? And I think part of its success is that it really did kind of stay true to the original show and kinda of go forward with that. It was particularly like a storyline that might have been stronger in this first season. So yeah. I mean that's just that's part of it as well. But Jonathan, what what would be your iteration of what this film is? What do you mean? What would you? How would you describe it? What would you say happens? So, yeah, it's the Kirk is trying to adjust being admiral, and there's a new crew taking over the Enterprise. Uh, they go on a Kirk goes for an exp. Ins- oh, actually, yeah, Kirk goes for an inspection, and then his. And meanwhile, another part of the galaxy, one of his old crewmates on a different ship and some other people and the captain of that ship go fi- we're looking for a place to test the Genesis device and run across Khan, who takes over their ship. And then it's the tale of Khan's revenge. Yeah. Okay. That's that's pretty good. Well said. <laughs> yeah. I would have probably gotten lost in the details. Because I think there are a lot of things I didn't understand, like relationships... Um, stuff like that. There's is the girl who Spock is training, Savik. 
Is mm-hmm. she new or was she in the show? She's new, new as far as I know. I've only watched four episodes of the okay. show, so I don't know entirely everything <laughs> that was in the show. Fair enough. But I think she's a new yeah, character. I think she's new. I did know, notice that, or I did see somewhere that they really emphasized the three main characters, Kirk, Spock, and who's the, what was the doctor? McCoy. McCoy. I think he might also have the nickname Bones. Bo- yeah. Uh, as opposed to the new characters, but they still featured, especially Savick. Um, yeah. A little bit. Apparently, the other movie they had focused on new characters, and they didn't think it worked as well. Um, and I think that's really the strength of the movie is that they really flesh out Kirk, and they contrast him with Khan, and then they also present this what I this um, test at the beginning of the movie. Let's see whether I can find a summary of it because I, I might mess up exactly what was going on. But the very first scene is a simulator session called. Uh, Kawabashi Maru because uh, I think that's the name of the damaged ship and it's a no win scenario designed to test the character of the officers um, and so I think Savik feels like she didn't do well in this mission because she didn't win but it's a no win mission so. I mean everyone died right and so so uh, you know she was frustrated by this and then eventually she pushes she finds out Kirk was the only one who ever beat the simulation and she pushes him and this happens throughout the film that this revealed to us and he says well he didn't really beat the simulation he just tricked it he actually reprogrammed the simulation so he could win so he kind of cheated so it was like it was like this idea that kirk is somebody who cheats his way out of out of having to face uh serious death scenarios and has never at his in his career uh, going all the way up to admiral has never really had to face death mm-hmm. so that's sort of an underlying thing that is gone back to throughout the film um and then we ha- and then con is uh, i think another thing is is uh they they base con on captain ahab from uh moby dick really? so and kirk is his whale i believe <laughs> So that's oh, kind of, of interesting. I mean, that makes sense. Just an obsession. Yeah. Yeah. Also, they 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 showed when they found uh, Khan, they showed a bunch of books in his dwelling place, and Moby Dick was one of them. And he, he actually quotes Moby Dick as he dies, which I would not have known. I was wondering if he did because I'm yeah. not too familiar with Moby Dick, but I heard it was based on Moby Dick. Oh, well, I guess <laughs> so, I missed that entire aspect of the film. <laughs> yeah, so the Moby Dick part, not necessarily obvious, but it's there. It is an actual thing. It's not like they were saying that they based on Moby Dick. Like, I was, um, I was kind of thinking when you said like that's kind of a stretch. And, appar- and apparently Roddenberry uh, did not like that, and they just ignored him. <laughs> so. Um, uh, I actually like this quote that I found down here uh, in the Wikipedia article from Mayer, who uh, who said that his chief contribution to Star Trek II was a healthy disrespect for the franchise. He said, uh, Star Trek was an allegory in space format. That was both its strength and ultimately its weakness. I tried through irreverence to make them more human and a little less wooden. I didn't insist that Captain Kirk go to the bathroom, but did but did Star Trek have to be so sanctified? So uh, I think there's a little bit of complexity in what he's saying that maybe I can't fully understand without knowing the series, but it seems to be that uh, he was he pushed against maybe some of the the rules of what how Star Trek was supposed to work. Uh, I can 
Yeah, I'm. I can kind of see like your characterization of Captain Kirk as sort of like cheating his way out of situations. Is yes, it's kind of, probably kind of an example of that because it it's kind of consistent with the original show. Again, I've only watched like a few episodes it's just in prepare, pre- preparation for this movie, so I don't have a view of like the whole series. But in the ones I've watched, Kirk seemed like he was like level-headed, clever, could always think of a good way out of a situation. Um, but it could be seen as cheating his way out of a situation in some cases because he did use a little bit of deception sometimes. So it's kind of like a more cynical take on his character kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's fair. I think if you were to go through, if I were to watch I haven't seen the show, and it's going to be interesting, but if I were to watch through the show, I'd assume these characters have never faced these issues on the on the scale that they have in this film. If you're going to make a film about a show, it's going to have to be big, grand, something, yeah. some themes that they haven't addressed in the show. And for him to actually have to face death, particularly when we're, we'll get to the Spock part, uh, that that shows like that they're they're willing to actually put yeah. put their foot down. Because he he's come in the episodes I watched were like this was like a lit, a list of few that were said this one would be good to watch before the movie. He came close with having to face death of people he knew, but he was able to get out of it. And this time he wasn't able to. Yeah. And I mean that's it's great that they're aware of the show to be like that he's never actually had to face that problem before. You know, it's 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 consistency. I like that the flavor is the same. That's great. So. Yeah. And an- another thing that I was thinking is the strength in this film, even as a general viewer of my as myself, I appreciated that they showed just the main characters that I even I was kind of familiar with. You know, they highlighted the, you know, it's like the IP of the of yeah. the franchise. So, I mean, I know Spock, I know Captain Kirk, I kind of know uh, McCoy. And I appreciated kind of understanding their relationships and how deeply, you know, Spock and uh, Kirk really respect each other and listen to each other. Um, and how they are different and how they uh, and how they operate. And you really do get to see that on multiple levels in this film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's, there's also the, there's, there's been sort of a conflict between McCoy and Spock about him being a Vulcan and how he thinks logically. That wasn't that big of a theme of this movie, but you could still see that in this movie. Oh yeah, you could tell McCoy had something, <laughs> something. Uh, he he always seemed a little. Uh, you almost wondered whether he was gonna, he was gonna do something uh, drastic, or, like side with Khan or something at points, but he never really got that close to doing anything like that. Um, Maybe he's just a grump. Yeah, I think it might be just that. He's kind of a grump. We got to see Scotty from the famous line, Beat Me Up, Scotty. Never knew yeah. who that was from. <laughs> that, that was the one thing, the episodes I watched didn't really have Scotty in them that much. Yeah. So I didn't really know who he was. And it's it's cool to see that they all have roles too. You know, he's the engineer. Yeah. Spock is, what is he? I don't even know. But Well, he in the original series, he was like the second in command. Maybe it's lieutenant. I don't remember the ranks. I think it was lieutenant was Savik. Well, so in the... He, he was captain. In the, in the show, he was lieutenant and Kirk yeah. was captain, but now he uh, moved so up to captain. So everybody moved up a peg. Yeah, so he's the captain of the Enterprise, whereas uh, Kirk is the Starfleet Admiral yes. now. Okay. So. And I, I like that aspect of the film, too. Um, that you get to see everybody kind of playing their part and just have different roles throughout the film. And they really just... I mean, it's like a multi-tool. It really yeah. is. It's like the characters are used kind of as tools. And maybe that's where... The criticism came in where it needs to be less sanctified and actually have show more of these uh, mm-hmm. characters as human rather than rules. I suppose it was probably maybe it felt a little mechanical at points. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, and TV shows 
especially from that era, can tend to feel that way. There's tended to be like a really specific structure to a lot of shows at that time, and they and there were kind of rules, and you followed the rules, and that's how it worked. Yeah. So it's not all that surprising that they had to kind of break out of that mold. Yeah. I'm glad they did because I got to know the characters rather than see like any, a bad example of who they are. And Spock is such a legendary character that I've heard so many times. I know, like, um, what's the phrase? Uh, Live long and prosper. You know, that's just such a famous phrase that people mm-hmm. say. Is that him? Yeah. Yeah. So I think it, that might be a general Vulcan greeting, which... Gotcha. But he's probably the one who introduced it to people in Star Trek because he's the main Vulcan character. Yeah. And side question. Why was he dressed like Dracula in that one scene? There was a scene where he's wearing, like, all white and he has, like, this... this or uh, all black and he had this white uh, neck thing and yeah i'm not sure about that <laughs> that one is early on it was really odd i don't know he just came out and then he, he like got really close to uh was it it was mccoy no it wasn't mccoy it was kirk they get really close to each other's face and it's just like okay this seems really weird <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so an interesting thing about the movie is that con and kirk never face each other there's never a scene where they're in the same place at the same time there's no face off which i thought was kind of interesting what do you think the significance behind that is Maybe they filmed at different locations. <laughs> <laughs> is there a significance, I guess? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I know generally I thought it was interesting that the space battles were like a lot slower than like in, say, Star Wars. Yeah. And maybe more realistic to that extent for... Yeah, because it was more about like the shields and things. Yeah. Like they, their shields were down, they had to get them back up, and then they, they eventually hacked into the shields of the other ship, mm-hmm. which, you know, I'm like, I guess you can just make up how things work, so... <laughs> yeah. But it was because they, they did steal a, a ship from their, their fleet, so it's not impossible that they would have been able to do that. Yeah. Um, and, and the grand the grand uh, comparison is always with Star Wars, but Star Wars is always about, like, oh, the rebels versus the Empire. You know, it's these big grand scheme things. This is just a personal battle. This is just a, a yeah. few people that are actually just trying to kill each other. Yeah, and they go on these missions, and they get the, even the ship that gets stolen is a mission, which the Genesis subplot is kind of interesting to consider too i think it's maybe a like less interesting part of the movie actually maybe it's like a reverse death star yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it actually <laughs> is. but yeah it, it, i i thought it was i thought it was actually pretty interesting i didn't think i was disinterested in that i appreciated that they had a plan that he was going to follow the only thing is like th- that's that's more of the stakes it makes it more of a larger scale. yeah that's what i was going to say they had to have something that uh con could get his hands on that actually mattered yeah. So, and I think Genesis did accomplish that. Yeah. Yeah, and Khan himself was great. I thought. I thought he. Oh yeah. The actor actually did a pretty good job portraying him. Not that I knew what his original portrayal was like, but in this, it seemed like he really was just this tunnel vision guy who was out to get his uh, his um, Moby. Wait, yeah. Is yeah, it, because he makes name? decisions that don't actually is make it just sense. The whale? I forget. Is I don't know. The, the whale? whale's name not named Moby Dick, right? I actually have no idea. I, I think it is, but I'm not sure. I feel really embarrassed. Movie. But it's just this guy who, who can't seem to see anything else. Even his own uh, shipmates are coming up to him saying, like, no, we've already won. We've already got the ship. We've already got the Genesis mm-hmm. Project. We can go and we can get out of here forever. And he's like, no, no, no. I will not stop until I kill Kirk. Yeah. Yeah. I think his character changed since then because he got more bitter towards Kirk. Yeah. Because I think he was more fine with it. But he, as he said it his his wife died mm-hmm. which I guess he blames on Kirk so maybe that that counts for his changing yeah, character I'm related to Kirk 
<laughs> and yet, and it was from those worm things that he eventually <laughs> captured, and those things were really disturbing. <laughs> I, of all the things that could happen to me, I wouldn't want a worm that can possess my mind. That'd be like the worst. It was a pretty graphic depiction of yeah. a, a little worm going inside of an ear. Yeah. Another thing I thought of was Kirk actually. Did he do th- this intentionally? Did he, he kind of desert them like, oh, I don't have to worry about them again? Or did he forget? Or and was there an expectation that he came back? That's what I was going to ask, yeah. too. Like, Yeah, I'm not... It kind of seemed like he was just dropping them off to to have them start their civilization because that's kind of what they wanted to do, but also it's kind of a punishment. So why would Khan have craft, conjured up this image? Uh, I mean, he couldn't have predicted that the world was going to fall apart. <laughs> And have some sort of environmental disaster happen. But I guess maybe he think it was common courtesy. I don't know. Yeah. Because Kirk did mention in the episode that he was like, curious what sort of civilization they would form. But he did think he might check back. But he did, that was also after he had dropped them off. So. Oh, so it never shows him promising to come back. No. Okay. So that, that makes me think like Kirk really didn't think there was an expectation there. Yeah. Okay. It's just a miscommunication. Man, if they just had a conversation, they would have solved everything. But I think Khan had spent a lot of time building up like this idea that it was Kirk's fault. Yeah, and that could be true yeah. to keep his control, keep the people motivated yeah. in some in some way. And and yeah, I agree that the performance by Ricardo Ricardo Mata Alban, it really rolls off the tongue. Yeah. Uh I'm sure it, I think he might be Oh yeah, he's Mexican American. Um so I there's probably somebody else who can pronounce it better, but um, I thought it was a really good performance. It was over the top, but like intentionally show, mm-hmm. and I think it fit. And he really gave it his all. I was not expecting him to be Khan. I, I was I was part, I was thinking like, I, when I hear Khan, when I hear Wrath of Khan, that's the name of a Star Trek movie. Without looking at the poster, without seeing any clips of the sh- of the movie, I think of an alien or some kind of like uh, destroyer. <laughs> big giant, giant guy with powers not just some like man ape type of guy who's honestly kind of down to earth and really his his motives are childish almost so mm-hmm. and, and and he was in the original episode too yeah yeah so so they didn't they didn't just go recast this because it was a bigger movie which i think was and he had to play a completely different looking character right yeah from the original con yeah and i love that they stayed they stayed true to to the show in that way I mean, the MCU, it's like, we're so ahead of our time, and yet it's so just bad in comparison. I'm just thinking about Secret Invasion at the moment. I'm not going to say anything else. Continue. Oh, uh, this is not really super important, but Pauline Kael, if you care about her, she's a famous film critic. She said that this was uh, Monta Alvin's only validation he has ever had of his power to command the big screen. So I guess he's more of a television actor, and he kind of went above his above his uh, pay grade or above what his expectation as far as his performance. Well, good That's for him. Cool. He's in one of the most recognizable Star Trek films. Yeah. But speaking of Star Trek, the franchise just keeps going on, correct? Yeah. So how many how many films are there in this total franchise? Like 13, 13. or something of the sort. And they're still making some today. There are currently three active shows, Lower Decks, Prodigy, and Strange New Worlds. Um, that are all on Paramount+. Plus. I mean, I assume they all are now. I don't know if they all started there. Um, but the new film started in 2009. J.J. Abrams, right? I believe so. And then they went and they did the originals just called Star Trek. And then they did Into Darkness, Beyond Discovery. And then they did Discovery was a show. And then 
uh, Picard, which only lasted three seasons. But Picard was to bring back um, the Next Generation star um, Patrick Stewart um, in his own series. So as you can see, people love these shows. People love these movies, and they want them to continue and continue and continue to the point where even these spinoff characters get their own uh, uh, mm-hmm. shows and movies and stuff. So how do you think Wrath of Khan played a part in this franchise becoming so successful? I'm, I'm guessing that probably the success of the movies led them to make the m- remaining movies and start the next generation yeah. TV shows. Yeah, because I was looking at the like, timeline of Star Wars, and it, I mean Star Trek, <laughs> and it seemed like it was kind of like the early era where they had the original series and then they that lasted three seasons and then a few years later they had the animated series and they started making the movies. And then you have like the middle era which they had like the 80s to early 2000s where they had three TV shows during. And then you have the more modern era like a few, year, few years ago where they started some new, even newer TV shows. And I think uh, in a conversation earlier that we had, John, you pointed out that Star Trek wasn't that popular on its initial release, which is why it only lasted three seasons. And I gained like a cult following after. And I think it's continued to that degree in a sense that Star Trek is like, maybe doesn't capture uh, national pop culture as much as Star Wars has. Um, but it certainly has a really devoted fan base that like loves new stuff that comes out from it. And I think this movie was probably the most that it ever was relevant to a wider pop culture. But I don't think that Star Trek needs to be necessarily. I don't know. I mean, maybe the 2009 movie also garnered some attention. I was about to say, like, the later ones with Chris Pine might add some cultural uh, prevalence. Because yeah. those are all... I'm just looking at the IMDb ratings, and, and I don't know how much I should trust IMDb ratings, but, <laughs> but like, Wrath of Khan's, like, in the sevens. There's a couple that are in the sixes, a couple in the fives, and then... But all of the new ones are in the seven, so people like them. Yeah. And IMDb is like, not ne- it's not Letterbox, so it's like your average yeah. person who likes movies. It's and not even like Letterboxd annoying, kind insufferable. I mean, Letterboxd has mostly of those general viewers as well. Yeah, but like it's a more insuff- more of a percentage of insufferable yeah. film critics. The film critics, the film nerds are actually going on Letterboxd. They're not going to IMDb. Yeah, not now, anymore, at least. Anyway, that's a side note. That. So this movie, I think what was great about it was that it went deep into the main characters. And I was surprised, actually, that they uh, killed off Spock. That was a big surprise for me. I I didn't know Spock ever died. Because isn't he in projects after this, right? I don't know. But the next movie is called Retur- uh, Search for Spock. Sure. So. And that, yeah. I mean, that's, that's the model. That's the franchise model. But I was very surprised that they did a bold move like that. And it was great. I really liked that. The reception of it, I heard, was not great because people didn't like that he was killed off. But for me, as a as a non-Trekian, I can understand. Like, I'm glad that they killed off the main character, someone who actually probably was was probably one of the only characters I was super invested in because I'd known who he was, mm-hmm. um, and he seemed the most reasonable to me. And I could probably live with him and communicate with the Balkans uh, for the rest of my life if I, I had the choice and the opportunity. Uh, but yeah, it. I think at the end of the day, if I if I were to rewatch this entire series, this still might be up there in my favorites too, by word of mouth and by uh, the themes that it addressed. Because like facing death, that's a hard that's a hard issue, you know. If you've never had to face death, that's good for you. That's you're fortunate. And and how old do you think James Kirk is? 
in this film. Yeah. 52. 52. So that's a long, uh, pretty old to go without having to face death. But you also have to consider that. Oh, I thought you were going to give me an answer. <laughs> no, I have no idea. Uh, I was just looking for an estimate. Uh, well, in that case, 50, most, 51. Most people, by the time Well, he needed reading glasses, so that... That's true. He wore those librarian glasses. I'm just film. saying he's definitely older. He's he's not young. I mean, which Jonathan referenced earlier. It's like them getting old is like part of the the draw of the movie. But it also like they're more mature and they've been through more things. But apparently they haven't been through everything. Yeah. At this point, his star suit was super tight. <laughs> it looked like it was about his belt was about to pop. I really did enjoy the uh, the costuming and the the look of this film because yeah. uh, there's something about the fact that they they were limited with what they could do with special effects so it almost changes how you would decide to go about making costumes and everything because you kind of have to play mm-hmm. into that limitation like it is elevated from the TV show but it's still like notably more cartoonish or I don't know if that's the right word it looks more like something you'd see somebody wear at a comic con yeah, make a good Lego. Then, set. then maybe the modern Star Trek, where they have more access to CGI and better effects, so then they can make the costumes look more real. Mm-hmm. Whatever that exactly means. Whatever real means, Ben doesn't believe in a reality. Well, real, I guess maybe they look more like what we would imagine them in the modern day to look like. Because we can only reality is only what we perceive in the modern day. Okay, whatever. <laughs> I'm not I'm trying to get into this conversation right now. Yeah. What What was your guys' reaction to this film? What did you like? What did you not like? I, I, I thought, even though it is kind of dated, I thought the visuals were actually pretty cool. Mm. A lot of it. And I liked... I don't know. I almost felt nostalgic for the characters, even though I literally watched... The, the last time I watched an episode of Star Trek was the day before. And... I have only watched four episodes, but I guess that ma- that shows how how powerful the characters are. If you can already feel nostalgia for them after three episodes that you watched, but two it days might, ago, yeah, then. it might have just been the the just the showing them growing older. Because I kind of I kind of like when they have like time jumps in fiction. Like, what has, how have they changed? Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Because I think one of the things Zach's gonna hate me for saying this. One of the things I liked about Star Wars Episode Eight. <laughs> That other people hated was that that uh, Luke like grew up and got old and got like way more cynical and like jaded and uh, was grumpy and uh, maybe regretted things and and there were things that happened that we were revealed that that he did regret and I'm like that that would be how life would go it's not like you win a war against the Empire and um, everything else in your life goes smoothly because that's what we need we need realism in Star Wars. Yeah, what what do you what? what I'm not Star saying I'm not saying Luke movies. can make mistakes. I'm saying for half of Luke's life he was grumpy like this after the Luke. Yeah, that we you don't saw. always get a happy ending, Zach. I'm not. I don't want a happy ending necessarily. I want a character who is consistent. <laughs> he is consistent. You just didn't see all of the development. It's a you jump. Can, yeah, you can so make, you consistent. can make him a psychopath serial killer and say it's consistent if you didn't see what happened. I mean, yeah, because you only see a snapshot. Uh, okay, but this is the. I shouldn't have made this point, but I enjoy. I, I agree with John. I enjoy it when there's like a jump and and I guess maybe I didn't really see the jump because I hadn't watched. It. <laughs> but it's like implied. Yeah. Listen, yeah, I can relate to that concept without the Star Wars example. I think <laughs> I, think I just wanted to annoy you. <laughs> I, I I have I have plenty of TV shows and films that I've seen where characters come back. I mean, 
RDJ. 50, you know, I'm thinking like, who's gonna cameo in the next, you know, MCU film when RDJ comes back with gray hair and he comes in as Iron Man? I'm gonna scream and wet my pants. That because people love it when people come back. Yeah, but not all time jumps go over. I'll just look at Indiana Jones. Yes, those two movies, time jump didn't work. Yeah, that's fair. The uh, story has to be there too. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And you got to stop adding these annoying characters that take the spotlight. Right. But I yeah, the time jump was good because you do get to see these characters grow and change consistently. You know, emphasis on that with asterisks. But yeah, Spock is probably the same. I would have yeah. to assume. Kirk is probably a little bit more like getting into that uh, old older grumpy old man role where he has he's assumed his uh, charge of the whole. Um, Enterprise, right? Or no, he, mm-hmm. the captain of the Enterprise, or what was the admiral of Star Admiral Fleet? Right? Yeah, it was an admiral. Yeah, but so you you get to see that growth, you get to see that change. Spock is a really tricky character to write for. I would, I would have to think because you got to humanize him in a way that doesn't humanize him, and right. I think you do that by showing that Spock actually does care about other people. Yeah, and which it did show, and I think that's the thing I'm reading about Savick's character as well, and Mayor was completely willing to humanize the Vulcans. even and, and that was part of also probably what people didn't like who were purists, is that uh, like she cries at Spock's funeral, which I didn't exactly remember, but I guess it happened. <laughs> um, and somebody was asking him, like, you're going to let her do that? And he was like, yeah, Vulcans don't cry. And they were like, well, Vulcans don't cry. And he was like, well, this makes it an interesting Vulcan. <laughs> so it's... so, uh, But I guess... She's technically a mixed Vulcan Romulan. I don't know what Romulan is. Romulan heritage. But they never actually explicitly say that. So Spock is mixed Vulcan human. So then you can see with the emotional part, you can also explain. But yeah, the Spock's devotion to... seemed like he was also like devoted to doing his duty, which is also like his logical response to things. Right. Like, But it, there's an underlying unsaid devotion to Kirk... Mm-hmm. But it's also his devotion to his duty. Because there's one time where he says, where he's like, I'm not going to give up command of the ship because, I, or I'm not going to take over command of the ship because, oh, well, no, he actually forces Kirk to take over the ship mm-hmm. because he's like, you're a higher ranking officer. And I mean, we're in a I, that's why I love that, Spock because I, I yeah. said this during the film, like, I, I would love to hang out with him because it's like, that's just how it is. You just do it, right? Yeah. And yeah. it's very difficult for humans to give up power. But he's Once not trying to, yeah. But, but he's not concerned about that. Kirk is trying to not do it. He doesn't want the responsibility that comes with the power. True, that's true. It's like having. Never mind. It's like yeah. There's a lot of things in life that can have responsibility that come with that. I'm I'm assuming Kirk doesn't want to because he's just done it so many times, and I bet he's just sick and tired of it. But Spock says it's his role, and Spock is a good sport about everything. You know, he he's never gotten anything wrong, and he kind of predicts what's going on in the situation. And Savik's the same way, you know. She's very open and honest, and uh, talks to Kirk, like asking him why the simulation was uh, didn't work out, and like how he. She asks him how he did it. He reveals that he cheated, and then she's like, "Well, then that's not fair, you know. That's just stupid." And for her, it's like that is not logical, and I understand that. So those are the, it's those characters are easy to keep consistent, but they are they are hard to write for to a mass audience type type of deal. And what's the guy's name that uh, was the one who didn't really respect the canon? What was his name? Anyway, that guy d- is the one who uh, kind of made this film uh, a big hit, I think. Yeah. By the way, he doctoring the script in the way. Yeah, Mayor. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think I think what you could learn from this film is that 
sometimes having somebody who's not a devoted fan is actually better because they bring a like fresh perspective to the script so instead of being like my whole life I dreamed of doing Star Trek and I want to do it exactly like perfectly Star Trek you have somebody who's like I'm willing to take some risks mm-hmm. and that's it seems like what what and, Mayor did and, and risks can out. sometimes lead to accidents true yeah. and accidents lead to needing insurance <laughs> but you can't have insurance after the accident happens you need it before well, you can but it would be useless <laughs> yeah <laughs> you, you want to wait till uh till before the accident and so well we know some people who actually can provide this service oh who is it Henman Anglin Agency oh, oh yeah I forgot and uh they're known for saving people money on auto home and business and, and life, life insurance that listen fathers of young daughters make sure when your daughter gets married say son are you gonna get life insurance that's yep. my advice you should do that and if you want to do that you need to get the conversation rolling at 614-486-7300 that's 614-486-7300 and uh they would love to help you out if you have a spaceship maybe they can figure something out in too. the future yeah in the future when spaceships are all the teslas are flying around I just think it's sad because they thought how advanced they thought we were going to be in 1990. That reminds me of like uh, 2001: A Space Odyssey. <laughs> reminds me of Back to the Future. All these they were doing so good, pushing it so far into the future. It was it like 2300 or something like that. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't know if it's the 23rd century. Yeah, 23rd century. So it's the 2200s. Okay. Yeah. So that's way ad- advanced from where we are. And then they go back to the 1990s. You're like, okay, now they blew it because it was too close. But same thing with even um, Blade Runner 2049. I'm sorry, but the world's not going to look like that in 2049. Yeah, I, that, I don't think that's supposed... I think these people... I don't think any of those are actually trying to make it you're seem right, like you're that. Right. But I think Back to the Future was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> like, I think they thought we would have hoverboards. It's funny. Yeah, no, they probably did. It's funny because our technology has advanced, like, really far, and for, but not in ways that people imagine. Like, our Roblox servers are extremely fast. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> we don't have hoverboards. We don't have uh, these life-saving medical technologies that are portrayed in these films. Uh it's just the routes that we have taken have chosen our futures, our destinies. We were more concerned in uh, al- a, cl- a collection of information, yes. like being able to have databases of our, information. Like our available social to media us. websites are top notch. Okay? Yeah, the algorithms in that are smarter than one hundred thousand supercomputers. <laughs> right? Like Oppenheimer, step aside. <laughs> well, the, I mean, if you think about it, Mark Zuckerberg got a, his own movie before Oppenheimer did. So well, little f- big fat man, uh, little boy. That's also about Oppenheimer. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, I'm sure there were a lot. But it's of not as much just about Oppenheimer, or is it? I they've done. He wasn't. It was nobody was played by anyone extremely uh, mainstream and famous. Okay. Like Jesse Eisenberg or uh, uh, Cillian Murphy. Yeah, Killian Murphy. Killian Murphy. Yeah, I always I always get it wrong too. Yeah. It makes sense. Kill. <laughs> kill. <laughs> and any role he has, he's a killer. Yep. Peaky Blinders. Yep. And Twenty Eight Days Later. And Scarecrow in Batman Begins. Oh my gosh, that's Killian Murphy? <laughs> yeah, you didn't know that? No. Yeah. Wow, I haven't watched that film. That's my favorite of the trilogy. Really? Mm-hmm. Over Dark Knight? Yep. I mean, that's a lot of people do think that. Because they'll say Joker 
was great, but the plot of the Batman Begins is better. I think so. I think it's the best origin superhero film. And you hear somebody talk about somebody's performance so many times, and you're like, was it actually that good? Like, you start to question it. Heath Ledger? Heath Ledger, it was a good performance, but... It, it sounds... Is it actually one of the best performances? Like, talking about someone's acting, like, oh, he sucks. He was terrible. Well, but Like, Charlie not... Chaplin wasn't the best. We could say that. Yeah. But he wrote and directed his own movies and acted in them, so most people can't do that. Yeah, but you got to think of Heath Ledger as kind of this guy who's paving the way for method acting. You know, but there's Daniel Day-Lewis already. I'm saying paving the way. A year before he had done There Will Be Blood, arguably one of the best performances of all time. I think Daniel Day-Lewis is the best living actor at the moment. Well, yeah, but that's not Maybe Joaquin Phoenix. Yeah, but Joaquin Phoenix is a little more niche. I don't know that he has the versatility. He he played into the his like he's kind of, not niche his anymore. own. Well, no, but like he plays into his idiosyncrasies and his weirdness really really well. Yeah, his so, deformed body. But like I feel like he has less um, range with the types of roles he can do. You think so? Yeah, and I actually don't really think Joker is like that good of a performance. I think some of his other like the Master he was pretty good in. I'm not saying that yeah. his range is all in Joker. In Joker. No. We'll yeah. see if Lady Gaga's good in Joker too. I'm excited because Tim might be in it. I know. I know. <laughs> Sorry, we're we're uh, now we're just. Oh, hey, John. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, we should bring it back into Star Trek. Yeah, Ben. What were your favorite and least favorites? Um, my favorite part of the movie was uh, that the plot, like the themes of of death, of of cheating death, of Kirk's character growth. Um, were like it's it was a lot more profound at the end of the movie seeing Spock ride into space than maybe I'd anticipated going into a movie about Star Trek even though I was ex- had high expectations for this movie mm-hmm. but it went a route that I wasn't expecting so I really liked that mm-hmm. cons like I said there were some like you said that one actor with the blonde hair who was <laughs> like the son of that one lady there were some parts of the Genesis plot that I felt like weren't entirely necessary but i'm not upset about them being in the movie like i'm not mad i'm just like maybe they could have been more interesting i don't know yeah i think that's fair i think the best part was when spock he's like you can't go in there spock you'll die and he just like puts his fingers on his neck and he like falls on the floor (laughs) (laughs) that's definitely the best part of the film but spock is he's a hero he literally didn't even hesitate he just walks right in goes and uh and gets killed and apparently will come back somehow but that they they kind of hinted towards the end of the movie that it might have something to do with the Genesis yes. device. Yes, and they do. They, there's a reason that they had a, a pre-end credit scene. <laughs> it, it was cool to see the story of Spock kind of introducing the idea of death to Kirk and then kind of being the one who has to actually play the game and go through with it and be this big example of the moral figure. And it's interesting that it's Kirk who learns from Spock because Cock- <laughs> Spock is... Spock is his underling. He kind of reports to Kirk, and he they they have to uh, kind of work together, and they're always uh, talking through these things together. And they really have a lot of rapport because they have a lot of history together. And to see that kind of come to fruition is just really satisfying, even just within a film. I haven't seen the rest. So even within a film, it's great. Another thing with Savik's character, I really enjoyed. I think it was great. She didn't complain about you know being a woman or anything like that. She didn't complain about her that you know not living up to things and maybe that's the balkan in her <laughs> yes yeah, she like, was logical she was upset she wanted to to uh be able to take that responsibility but she wanted to earn it 
I think, yeah. in the correct way. But you're right, it's probably, she was logical because she's a Vulcan. And I like, I really liked her character because of that. Not because she was a Vulcan and she's faceless character, but I think she she gained my respect through her actions. She was very honorable and honest. And yeah, the rest of the characters, um, uh, they, they were all interesting. Everybody had their own kind of different, unique perspective on things. And it was cool to see these space battles. The space battles were really cool. They were like in weird space Himalayas, whatever that looked like, and doing weird uh, maneuvers. And the lasers were exactly like Star Wars, made the same sound even. And it was it was fun. It was very fun. Um, George Takei, always a pleasure to see him uh, in the in this role. I know most of these characters from The Big Bang Theory. Like a lot of them make uh, recurring uh, guest appearances in the Big Bang Theory, <laughs> so that's always that's always fun to see that. Um, yeah, I don't know. My I think my least favorite might be honestly like a lot of the problems in this film are because I don't understand the context. But I think they did a good job, like we said, of of making it more general. My least favorite part might be the Genesis storyline. I don't think it was disinter- uninteresting. I don't think I was disinterested at all. But the Genesis plot, what could have not been in the plot is the mother and son that whole storyline was about you know 25 minutes of the film yeah i'm not sure how that came to fruition you could have had just one character have just a couple uh parts in the film talking about the genesis project you i don't know how much of that you really needed yeah yeah i, I was kind of surprised Be, yeah because i'm not i'm not sure if there was any basis of the show that plotline was based on the girl it, is from the show so the scientist, because they say, welcome back, like it's nice to see her again. So I know she is, so I'm thinking it has something to do with that. Maybe in the show she was working on a science, something like yeah, that. Yeah, or it could have been like implied before, like it happened sometime, but not in the show. I don't know. Gotcha. Yeah, you might be right as well with that. Yeah, because I, yeah, I, I guess I thought there were like a few themes going on, but they weren't always like together very well. And I... Yeah, I didn't see how that had much to do with the rest of the plot. Yeah, the the problem was like that. Really, a con would be con as well in some way because that since he doesn't actually meet up with Kirk, you have this side storyline with Genesis going on. He gets the Genesis thing, and it just feels so disconnected from our core characters, who never actually interact with anyone except for one scene. They're really just stuck in the ship the whole time. That's probably the only problem is that it's awkward. There isn't this big moment of confrontation. It's more like this. These big moments are spread out. The the climaxes, a few small climaxes throughout the film, yeah. rather than really, a big one. The confrontation is on the ship when they're communicating back and forth. Yeah, that's really the, the like instead of them meeting face to face, they're meeting ship to ship, which maybe works better because it's Star Trek. But yeah, I, I do get the disjointed part though because there are like yeah, con storyline, and then. The thing, and then Kirk's storyline is not directly related to what Khan is. Khan is like perceiving things a different way. Mm-hmm. Kirk's having to face this idea of death, which really doesn't come into fruition until the very end of the movie. That's kind of like, it's leading you in that direction, but you don't realize it exactly until Spock actually dies. Mm-hmm. And then there's the Genesis storyline, and you have some s- side characters who are, that's their main concern. They really don't know what's going on with Kirk and Khan, and they're actually kind of skeptical of Kirk because they think he made the order. Uh, to to hand over the Genesis project, so it's like a lot of miscommunication, confusion. Yeah. Throughout it, the movie, it felt the three the three storylines that we had kind of felt like three high school girls talking to each other, but not really listening to each other. Like they're they're interacting, but they're not really like talking with you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's all fake. 
it felt like that like the plots weren't willing to be cohesive and i think that was a small detriment to the film i think that could be fixed if you had khan and them meet up but even with that the genesis is still a little bit disjointed within the film so i mean that's that's what that is i'm not saying that the three separate plots were bad they weren't mm-hmm. they were pretty good and i was in, i wasn't ever disinterested it was just i wish that it didn't feel like almost a tied in a, a fourth act in an anthology you know where they are loosely related like oh they connect there you know that's so random that they're in the same areas it but it, it it still worked enough for me so it's good yeah do you have any extra any extra insights to star trek that we don't have yeah i don't know um yeah not really no oh oh i guess was it gonna check off was part of the original series who was on a different starship oh, and really? then yeah that other guy captain guy i don't think was but. okay gotcha okay well I mean, that makes it a little bit better so he was on this ship just for this film yeah okay. i'm guessing he i'm guessing they got when they got reorganized who was on the enterprise he got transferred to a different ship uh, i got demoted <laughs> <laughs> that's funny yeah and also another thing is the acting I don't think some of the acting was good but I I will say about the acting and maybe maybe I sometimes excuse bad acting a lot because I envision it as more of a stylistic choice <laughs> like their acting is more well he says he's tried he tried to make the series less wooden but I think in some ways the acting does feel a little wooden other than um uh, the over the top con performance which definitely doesn't feel wooden but it doesn't necessarily feel like it feels like a little like yeah over like I said, over the top. Ham, like he's hamming it up a little bit, but he does command the screen when he's there. Um, but like Kirk and Spock, well, Spock intentionally maybe so, and McCoy can feel a little wooden. But I think it's somewhat they're trying to play into what the TV show was. So, and maybe the TV show did kind of have bad acting, but that now it's like <laughs> that's canon. So we gotta keep it going. It wouldn't feel like Star Trek if they didn't if they didn't act like that. I always think like acting was so much less important back then. Yeah, there was there wasn't much back then. You had a few big movie stars that were pretty good. Well, they didn't. I mean, I wonder, character acting was popularized by Robert De Niro. I want to say. I wonder if the style of acting changed. I think it did because Pacino and De Niro got big in the seventies, and they were really probably the two biggest character like method actors. Did I say character acting? Method acting actors, and it's still kind of controversial. The necessity of method acting, um, but and do you really need to method act to be in a Star Trek movie? Probably, probably not. Spock <laughs> to be goes Spock. home is distant from his wife. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like some roles require it more than others. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I think the the way that people went about acting changed yeah. from the uh, the fake Hollywood accent uh, style. Oh my goodness. It's like kind of British, but kind of not. Still American, like Cary Grant. Um, uh, who's the one guy? You know, you you would know it if you heard Bob. it. Hitchcock movies, yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, to to where we are now. Yeah, yeah it's definitely changed. Yeah, I don't know. What are your guys' final thoughts on the film? I'll say I liked it, and from this, and the Star Trek episode, I watched, I would be interested in seeing more of Star Trek. Okay. So I like the characters. Are you gonna watch all the shows and all the movies? I'm not sure about that. That seems like a lot. You got. You can do it. Just quit your job. 
go home. Go start right after this. Yeah, I, I will say uh, I think I had high expectations. It to be honest, Star Trek wasn't really on my radar a whole lot. I kind of it's kind of one of those things you kind of forget about. You see every once in a while, and you're like, oh, Star Trek. Yeah, okay. I don't really know exactly what that is, but it's popular. And this kind of uh, I was glad I experienced this, and, and maybe I will venture into some other Star Trek properties in the future. Yeah, same. And I think if I were to start with one, I'd probably start with Next Generation. I think I want to start with a familiar face, Patrick Stewart. I love him. Mag- or, uh, not Magneto. Professor X. Professor X. So I'm, uh, I'll probably start there if I do anything. The only thing is there's just so much to watch, and Star Trek is like a big commitment if you're going to go for mm-hmm. it. So thanks for making that commitment for us, Jonathan. Well. <laughs> <laughs> you can be a resident Star Trek expert. Just our Star Trek expert. <laughs> All right. And with that, shall we have, close the vault? Do you have our socials? Oh, yeah. The movie vault uh, on Instagram and uh, at movie vault pod. Wait, we're at the movie vault pod. Just on try Instagram both. And at movie vault pod on Twitter. And then we're the movie vault pod at gmail.com. Yeah, just look up movie vault on Instagram. I mean, it should come up. If you You'll look see up us. the it's movie pictures, vault, we're the face. third result. Are we actually? I don't know. <laughs> well it's going to be different if I look it up online because it's an, I already follow it yeah so send us emails uh, fo- it up, oh, I, don't I want to start do the, doing this um, our letterboxed my letterbox is titanium vulture and Zach's letterboxed is uh, Zach let me I have to look at the numbers what's your letterbox Zach do you have a memory Zach 122420 yep Zach 122420 Christmas Eve and mine is uh, is Titanium Vulture. Uh, I have to pay for Pro to change it, so it's going to be that way until I get a real job. Keep Titanium Vulture. I like it. Yeah, I guess I, I could lean into it now. It's it, my. It's been long enough that you can like unashamedly say that you did yeah. something embarrassing back then. Yeah. It's also my last FM, if you want to look at that. And my gamer tag on Steam, which is probably where I originally got it. And mine is just a... I just chose my friend's birthday. I think it was because I wanted I wanted to remain anonymous on Letterboxd, but now now I'm okay not being anonymous. Yeah. But Letterboxd won't let me change. Yeah. We're Jonathan not, does not have Letterboxd, no, but maybe this will maybe he'll get one now. Yeah. I don't know. You can rank all the all the Star Treks. But yeah, we have a lot of great lists. We have our we actually put our upcoming films on our Letterbox as well. So does Movie Vault has a has a letterbox, or do you just do that? On I think yours? we do, but I do it on my own. Okay, so look for that on Zach's. So letter. the next six movies are up there. Actually, the next eight movies technically. So that way you can uh, keep up with what we're doing. Yep. So we should be coming back after this. Are we doing Inland Empire first, or are we doing this first? I th- I think we we will we'll just see actually when we record the Inland Empire episode. Okay. I think Inland Empire is supposed to come out and then this. Okay. But. Well, if it doesn't happen, then the next one is the Goonies. So we'll the see Goonies. That. Yep. Ooh. Yes. <laughs> and with that, Jonathan, would you like to close the vault? Yeah. Okay, I'm closing the vault. Beam me up, Scotty. <laughs>